Take out your Bibles. We're going to be heading to the book of Acts this morning, Acts chapter 12. And as you make your way to Acts 12, I'm going to pray. Father, I just thank you that we can open up your word this morning. Thank you that your word is living and active, is sharper than a double-edged sword, Lord. And so this morning, as we open up your word, I just pray that it wouldn't just be a whole lot of information, God, but this would be a word that would penetrate our hearts, Lord God. Give us ears to hear what you would say to us today, I pray. Lord, uh, thank you that your word always goes forth and accomplishes the purpose that you have for it, Lord. And in faith, I just pray and believe for that this morning. I pray that you would stir our hearts afresh today, Lord God. That we would uh, not just leave this place the same as when we came in, Lord. But that we would leave different, transformed from having met with you in some way this morning, Lord. We welcome you to come and breathe life into these words that I speak now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to preach this morning... Uh, on the power of prayer, the power of prayer. And uh, last time I, I preached, maybe three or four weeks ago, if you were here, you might remember that I preached on the power of praise. Uh, we're to be a people of praise. So this is what I feel like the Lord's put on my heart this morning. And I believe that the Lord has really been stirring this uh, whole area of prayer, this whole significance of prayer in my own heart and life over the last quite a while, really. And uh, so that's what I, what I want to share this morning. And you know, when we, when we talk about prayer, anytime we look at that, there's just so much that we could cover, isn't there? Really, it could be like a years-long series on prayer, if we wanted to. And you know, we could look at the, the deep theological mysteries of prayer, the mechanics of prayer, how we pray, all those kind of things. But this morning, simply my, my heart and aim is simply this to exhort, to encourage, to stir our hearts afresh, to be a people of prayer. My heart and aim is to remind us of the priority of prayer in our lives, the privilege that it is to partner with God, and to remind us and stir our hearts afresh of the power that prayer possesses. So we're going to be heading to Acts chapter 12, but just prior to getting there, I want to read out of 2 Chronicles 7. Well-known verse, <clears throat> and it says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If my people would pray. I feel like if is kind of the, the key word there. If my people, if only my people would humble themselves would pray, would seek my face, then I will pour out the blessing, pour out his spirit, pour out untold power. If only my people would pray. And I want to just remind us and stir our hearts afresh this morning that prayer is a priority in our lives. It's not something that's like, oh, perhaps if I get to it, then maybe I'll, you know, Throw up a few prayers. It's not something that's a priority in any, in any way, a legalistic way, or something that we do out of obligation. Rather, it's an exciting, 
privilege. And we are the people of God. We're the people of God called by his name. Wow. The people of God called by his name. So we have a call, a responsibility, a privilege to be a people of prayer. A people who pray. A church that prays. Husbands and fathers that pray. Wives and mothers that pray. Grandparents that pray. School teachers that pray. Public servants that pray. Lawyers that pray. Cleaners that pray. Students that pray. If I've forgotten someone, forgive me this morning. We could go on and on. But imagine if all of us could grab hold of the power of prayer. Imagine the shift that would take place in our own lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our church, in our city, in our nation, if we would be a people who pray. Let's be that people, a people who pray. Acts chapter 12, verse 1 is where we'll start off this morning. It says, About that time Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James the brother of John with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, And a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. It's interesting, just as a little aside here, isn't it, that this supernatural light coming into the cell, supernatural intervention is bringing freedom. His chains have fallen off. Wonderful. But then Peter still has this part to play, doesn't he? He he says, get up, dress yourself, put on your cloak. And uh, that just stuck out to me. I feel like I should just speak that out. That's for someone this morning that, you know, Jesus is the one who brings freedom. He breaks the chains, of course. There's still a role that we have to play with that in walking out that freedom. Anyway, that's probably another, that's a sermon for another day. Let's read on. He went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought that he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, well, it's his angel. 
But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Wow, what an amazing, incredible account this is this morning. And where it starts off at the first part of the chapter, I'm sure you will agree that it was a time of turmoil, a time of fear, a time of uncertainty. Herod the king, he just started to lay violent hands upon the church, upon God's people. He grabbed hold of James, the apostle. He killed him. And he wanted to stay on the good side of the Jewish people. He saw that it pleased them. So then he goes, well, you know, Peter's a pretty key leader in the early church. How about we arrest him and then I'll do the same to him. So he's in prison. An impossible, dire situation. Peter was chained to guard each, each arm. He was chained one on each side. There was multiple other guards there. There was the iron gates. There was, you know, he was in prison, maximum security. And I think it's interesting, well, it's wonderful, but interesting how God's people respond. In this time of fear, in this time of uncertainty, you know, it would have been very easy perhaps to have responded or reacted in fear or in anger or in frustration. You know, James had just been killed. One of their brothers, they could have been like, why us? Why is this happening to us? What have we done to deserve this? This is unjust. They could have complained about the government, complained about the king and all that he was doing. And instead, they prayed. Instead, they prayed. And this morning, you may may be facing an impossible situation. You may be in a place of, of fear or turmoil. You may be in a time of uncertainty. You know, and there's this temptation for all of us. It's easy to kind of slip into this mentality of we start to look for the why, why, why me? We, we, we start to look for the, well, who's to blame here? Why is this happening? Is it because of this? Or we even begin to blame God. There may be disappointment around. But let me encourage you this morning to pray, to come before the Lord and to seek Him, to pray, to pray. To pray and to keep praying. The turning point in this story, in this place of fear and uncertainty, this impossible situation, comes in this phrase in verse 5. But earnest prayer. But earnest prayer. And I love this word but in Scripture. And I've shared on this before, but so often we read in Scripture, to the left of that word but is often A pretty bleak picture. Ephesians 2, it says, you know, but you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You're without hope. You're in this place of darkness. But God, being rich in mercy because of the love with which he loved you, he came and he saved you and he rescued you. But God, I love that phrase. There's other parts as well in Hebrews, in Titus. Again, this picture of this, you know, place of being in bleak and turmoil and in darkness and despair. But When the goodness and loving kindness of God appeared, he saved us. Wonderful. And here again, this phrase, but, but earnest prayer. Prior to that, it's a place of uncertainty and fear. What's going to happen? But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Never underestimate the power of a praying church. 
Something significant happens when the church in unity prays. It says, earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Something significant happens when the people of God grab hold of the promises of God. They lay hold of the power of God. They come before him and cry out to him to see his plan and his purposes outworked and released. They come before him and something significant happens when we say, Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. James 5 says that prayer is powerful and prayer is effective. I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get to that point. We'll look at that a little bit more as we go on. But when ordinary people pray, extraordinary things happen because we have an extraordinary God. I was reading an account this week of George Mueller. He's from the 1800s, incredible man of God. And... uh, did lots of wonderful things for the Lord, but one of the main things was uh, his ministry to, to orphans. And in his lifetime, he built five large orphan houses. He cared for over 10,000 orphans as part of his ministry, fed them, ministered to them, housed them. And the amazing thing about this story, this testimony, this account I was reading, you know, you think that's, you know, a lot of resources required there for that much work for that many people to feed and house that many orphans. The provision for all of this, he just prayed it in. Not once did he ask for money. Not once did he ask for any donations. He just got on his knees before God and prayed. And the Lord provided for all of that. Amazing. I heard another testimony this week that's a little bit closer to home. Very encouraging. And uh, involves someone in, in our church here who would go on a Sunday after service just to some local businesses, food places and shops and things like that and just share the gospel, share who Jesus is. And there was one particular store and it kind of got, word got back to me through a couple of different sources from within the church that this person was there one day just sharing their faith and this particular store, they'd been looking for months They've been looking for months for their next, they needed to get out of their current premises and they needed to look for a new building. They hadn't had any success. They were like, I just don't know what we're going to do. And this person in our church said, look, can I pray for you? And prayed. And sure enough, the next day, they found out, they found their new premises. The next day, isn't that amazing how God works to show this person that he could see their need, that he loved them, he had a heart for them, would provide for them. I thought that I was very encouraged by that. When ordinary people pray, extraordinary things happen because we have an extraordinary God. And we see in this passage today the powerful and effective nature of prayer. The people of God joining together in unity to pray for Peter. And it says here in verse 7, they're praying, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. And behold... It's like that suddenly moment that we've looked at a couple of times this year from Acts 16 where Paul and Silas are in prison. Midnight hour in the inner part of prison. They're praying, they're singing hymns to God and suddenly God breaks through. It's the same here. And behold, an angel of the Lord shows up. Light fills the cell, the chains fall off. It's amazing. God loves to show up in the prison, doesn't he? He loves to show up to bring freedom to those who are captives. 
So God shows up. Peter's set free. And the next part, it's almost comical in how it plays out, isn't it? We have to remember that there were many people praying. They were praying earnestly. They were praying night and day for around a week, the period of the, the, the feast. And their prayers were specific. They were specifically focused on Peter's deliverance. And yet, the answer to their prayers is standing at the door. And they don't have enough faith to let him in. It's like he's there. God can get Peter out of a prison, but Peter can't get himself into a prayer meeting where he's like the focus of the prayer meetings. Guys, uh, you're kind of praying for me. I'm here. Let me in. Can, can you let me in, please? And we can laugh about that, but have you ever had moments like that where you're praying fervently, you're believing for something, and when God answers in His way and in His time, we don't see it or believe it or recognize the answer. The believers were amazed at the fact that their prayers had been answered. Well, I never would have thought. We've been praying. For, amazing. We've been praying for this. And here he is right there. We can't believe it. If you're like me, you've probably found yourself in that place as well. We've been praying for something. Amazing. God actually answered my prayers. Anyone else or is that just me? Okay, a few hands going up. I've been challenged recently. I feel like the Lord's been challenging me. What's your expectation? What's your level of expectancy? When we pray. When we pray. You know, the enemy would love to keep us in a place where we don't think our prayers are actually all that effective. The enemy would love to keep us in a place where we, we, we feel like our prayers don't actually make a difference. We can pray fervently. We can pray hard. But we still have that lingering thought. Is this actually making a difference? Well, I want to encourage us this morning. And our prayers, the prayers that we pray, have power. They do make a difference. They're powerful and effective. I believe the Lord's wanting to lift off that sense of inadequacy or that sense of doubt. You know... It's okay to pray and ask the Lord, help, I believe, help my unbelief. The believers were amazed at the fact their prayers had been answered. The truth is we should have lives marked by answered prayer as followers of Jesus. In 1 John 5 it says, This is the confidence we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. This is the confidence we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Answered prayer. And this morning, if that's not been your experience, or if you're still waiting, or if there have been disappointments, let me just say this morning, there is no condemnation with that. There's no, oh, you need to do this. No. Rather, there's an invitation to not fall into that temptation of becoming a little bit bitter, becoming disappointed, blaming God, whatever it might be, but rather an invitation to keep praying, to keep trusting the Lord, to keep seeking Him and watch and see what He does. Earnest prayer accomplishes much. Would you turn with me just to James 5? 
I touched on it earlier. A well-known passage. Verse 13 of James 5. It says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. A reminder this morning, as I've been already touched on, prayer is powerful. The NIV says the, the fervent prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Prayer is powerful. It's powerful because in the act of praying, we recognize and acknowledge our deep need of God and our deep dependence upon Him. And His power is made perfect in our weakness. And as we pray, we recognize our weakness and our deep dependence upon Him. It's powerful because when we, draw, when we pray, we draw on His strength on his resources, on his power, partnering with him to see his purposes released and outworked. I find that encouraging because my strength, and my power, and my resources are very, very limited indeed. But when we pray, when we pray and come before the Lord, the Lord of heaven and earth, we invite his strength. His resources, His power into whatever situation we're facing. We invite His strength, His power, His resources into the lives of those around us, to our city, our nation, whatever the need is. Prayer is powerful and prayer is effective. Effective means successful in producing a desired end or result, to work out or accomplish something. You know, there is so much emphasis throughout Scripture on prayer. And time doesn't really permit to kind of do a study all through Scripture. But certainly in the New Testament, it says that the, the early church, the early believers, they devoted themselves to prayer. Throughout the New Testament, we're exhorted to continue steadfastly in prayer. Colossians 4. In Luke 18, it says, Jesus says that we ought always to pray and not lose heart. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says to pray without ceasing. Why would, be, why would there be such an emphasis on prayer if it wasn't actually effective? If it didn't actually bring about results? If it didn't actually bring about change or transformation or breakthrough in situations or in our lives? You know, when we pray, it's not just about getting an answer. It's not just about coming to God like we would a vending machine, punching in the code. We want this today. I want this Put in the money and great. Thanks God. See you later. That's not what it's about. God's infinitely more concerned with our hearts, our character. And as we pray, something changes and shifts in us. We, be, we become more like Him. For we're beholding Him as we pray. 
We, be, we grow in our faith. We grow in our character. We get to know God's heart. You know, why are we instructed to pray when we're suffering or when we're sick? It's not some superstitious thing we do. It's not so that the pastors or the elders feel good about themselves, that we ask them to come and pray for us. Not at all. It's because it's powerful and effective and something is released when we pray, when we call upon the name of the Lord, the name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name. And at his name, every knee will bow. And tongue confess that he is Lord. And you know, if we believe that prayer has great power as it is working, if we believe it's powerful and effective, this must have an impact on our lives. It must have an impact on the way that we live and the way that we pray and how we engage with God in prayer. Because if we believe it, it leads to action. This may not be a very good example, but I believe that an electric fence is powerful and effective. It's powerful and effective in what it's meant to do. Keep livestock and animals in and, you know, because of that, I don't go near the fence. I don't go up and just touch it. I know because it's powerful and it's effective in what it does. There's electrical current running through. It affects the way that I act around an electric fence or a farm life property. If we believe prayer is powerful and effective, it has an impact on how we live and on how we pray. Because, you know, we, can, we know that we can come before his throne of grace with confidence because of Jesus, of course. We know that he hears us when we pray, the Bible says. We know that he is all-powerful, that he is the God who is able to do all things, that he is the God who knows what we need even before we ask him. We can come with confidence knowing that prayer is powerful and effective. So just a couple of things as we head towards the close this morning. I won't be like Paul who has several, Paul the Apostle, who always has several conclusions. But just as we bring it to a close, as we seek to be a people of prayer, as we seek to recognize and be stirred afresh about the power of prayer, I believe a couple of things are important. We must move into action must lead to action. If my people, if my people, that's a call to action. You know, when Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, lay down his life, take up his cross and follow me. That's a call to action there, isn't it? If anyone, if my people. And I believe this is a season where the Lord is, is just highlighting this. I, I, I shared earlier about that in my own life. But of course, it's always a good time to pray, right? Always a good time to pray. But there are particular seasons, I believe, where it's like the Lord's highlighting it. Or there's a sense of urgency or an invitation for the people of God to really grab hold of that and be intentional in that. And you know... Uh, yeah, yeah that, se that, that season of urgency. And uh, a couple of months ago, we had a, a moment of urgency in our household. And it was a Saturday night in the middle of winter. And uh, my wife, Steph, and I, we just had a nice evening, been on the couch, relaxing, comfortable. And uh, all of a sudden, a smoke alarm went off 
in our little boy's room, our youngest son Joel's room. And uh, I'd just been in about 10 or 15 minutes prior to that to put the little heater on. And we, for our boys when they've been young and in their cots, they both tend to have tended to move around a lot. So it's been tricky to put blankets and things on them. So we've just kind of put a, a heater on, a good quality heater, to keep the ambient temperature nice and warm so that they sleep better, so that we sleep better. And uh, so I just turned this heater on. And about 10 minutes afterwards, the smoke alarm goes off in his room. I was on the couch. I was enjoying a nice, comfortable, relaxed Saturday evening. But when that smoke alarm went off, there was nothing casual about my response. I jumped up. I raced to his room. As I got to his room, I could smell this toxic kind of smoke coming out of his room. I went in and there was smoke all through there. I yanked out the heater, grabbed him out of his cot. Thankfully, everything was all right. Thankful for the Lord's protection um, and for when it happened and that we had a smoke alarm in there. So Staylight Savings next weekend, they say to change your smoke alarm batteries then. They do have an impact. They do save lives. Uh, but that's beside the point. Um, I sprung into action and there was nothing about my response that was just casual. When I heard that smoke alarm, it wasn't like, oh, I'm pretty comfy here on the couch actually. I'm sure it'll sort itself out. I'll just leave it for now. No, this was my son's life we're talking about. There was an urgency. There was a, there was a fervency, I guess, in getting up and doing what I needed to do, acting on the warning, acting on this urgent alarm that was going off. And I feel like for us as God's people in this day that we live, there was a call to move into action. To not just be comfortable with sitting on the couch when the, when the smoke alarm's going off. It's time, as we heard about earlier, it's time to, to move into action. To not be casual or flippant, but to really seek the Lord. The early church in Acts 12, when Peter was arrested and thrown into prison, they didn't just wait around to see what would happen. They didn't just, oh, oh, we'll wait and see. They earnestly prayed, the Bible says. They sprung into action, night and day, for that week. In James 5 here, we've read about Elijah being a man with a nature just like ours. You know, we don't have time to look at the story, but, but it's kind of a quick summary of 1 Kings chapter 18. And it hasn't rained for three and a half years on the land. And God speaks to him in the first verse of 1 Kings 18 and says, I'm sending the rain. I'm sending the rain. And at that point, I think Elijah would have been well within his rights to say, great, well, God's spoken. It's going to rain. Fantastic. I'm Great, it's going to happen. I'll just sit back and wait for it to happen. But what does he actually do? He doesn't just do that, does he? He didn't just sit back and wait for whatever would be would be. He grabbed hold of God's promise. He grabbed hold of the word that God had spoken and he prayed. It moved him into action. It moved him to pray. You know, God can do anything, but often prayer is the means by which he chooses to bring about his plans and purposes. You know, perhaps for us personally, there may have been words and promises and things that God has spoken over us in our personal lives, certainly over us as a church. There have been many words God has spoken. And I want to encourage us, let's not just sit back on the couch comfy, waiting to see what plays out. But let's 
Let's press in. It's a time of urgency to move into action and to pray in His promises. And we have a role to play. We have a role to play. And we should care about the things that are happening around us. It's not a time to be sitting on the sideline watching the game. There was a big important game yesterday, as we mentioned earlier. I guarantee you that all the players in that, those squads who played, they wouldn't have wanted to be sitting out on the sideline, missing out on that game if they didn't quite make the final cut. Everyone would have been wanting to be on that field yesterday. So for us as the people of God, it's not a time to be sitting on the sideline, but to be on the field of play, pressing in and praying. It's easy to be okay with things, to be, yeah, to be comfortable with the status quo. But we're not called to just sit idly by, to stay comfy on our couch when we see things around us, happening around us. I'm not okay with the enemy stealing and killing and destroying people's lives, people's livelihood, people's health. I'm not okay with a generation heading down a path of destruction Time to move into action, to be a people who pray. Let's pray. Let's seek that the Lord would, would break through, that the tide would turn, that hearts would come back to Him, that sickness would be healed, that freedom would come, that His kingdom would come and His will would be done here on earth, here in Canberra, as it is in heaven. And I think that's part of what it says. The prayer of a righteous man, a righteous person, sorry, has great power as it is working. It's a dynamic thing. We're active in our prayer Responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And fervent prayer has an intensity about it and moves us into action. To not just be comfortable with the status quo, to be meh, okay with some of the things that we see happening around us. If you're not sure what to pray into, come and have a chat with me afterwards. There's plenty of things I could encourage you to pray into. Seek the Lord. Ask Him to stir that passion in your heart. What are the things that he's highlighting to you? It may be family members who aren't saved. It may be your neighbors. It may be work colleagues. It might be whoever. There might be people in the church that he puts on your heart. Seek the Lord and ask, what are the areas that you are to move into action in? As we seek to be a people of prayer, we must move into action. And as we seek to be a people of prayer, we must have tenacity and perseverance. Tenacity and perseverance. Those two wonderful words that we love to hear. Tenacity and perseverance. In James, it mentions Elijah. He was an, a man with a nature just like ours. I don't know about you, but that is encouraging to me. It's encouraging to me. We don't have to have it all together. We don't have to be some super spiro person to prevail in prayer. He heard the word of the Lord and it moved him into action. And he wasn't thrown off course by the fact that it actually took seven times. Seven times where he was praying and pressing in to see the rain come. He's praying. He sends his servant. Go and have a look. Is there any rain clouds yet? No. Okay. Praying. Seven times he does that. Finally, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. He says, here it is. The heavy rain is coming. He persevered in prayer. He prayed and he prayed and he prayed until he saw that which God had promised. Let's be a people who don't give up. Too many times, perhaps we don't see the answer because we stop praying. I know there have been times in my own life where 
You lo- I've lost heart. Or are you like, oh, I'm not sure. Let's not give up. Luke 18, the parable of the persistent widow. Jesus tells the story to the effect that we ought always to pray and not lose heart. To not give up. You may have things that you've been praying for in your life for, for months, for years, for decades even. Let me encourage you this morning to not lose heart, to not give up because he is faithful. And he who has promised is faithful. He will do it. So this morning as we finish up, let's not just leave this place today. Oh, we've heard a message on prayer. Great. Prayer is important. Of course, we all know that. I know we all know that. Let's actually put it into action. Allow the Lord to just stir our hearts afresh. To not just hear a word and just kind of go and forget about it. But to be a people who grab hold of that. And to be a people of prayer. There is power in prayer. It's a powerful weapon and it's an effective weapon in our armor. So would you stand this morning? Of course, as, as always, we have a wonderful prayer team willing, ready and available here to pray for anything in particular. But just before we get to that, I feel like there's a couple of things the Lord may be wanting to do. And uh, there may be someone or some people here this morning that as we've been talking about prayer, Perhaps you've just zoned out a little bit. You're like, well, I'm not really sure how I can communicate with God in prayer or how I go about that. The only way we can come before Him or have right standing before God to be able to pray is through Jesus. And uh, I just want to give opportunity this morning that if you're here today and you do not yet know Jesus, you do not yet have a relationship with Him, I want to give opportunity this morning while we have our eyes closed and heads bowed that if you do not yet know Jesus please don't leave this place today without responding to his invitation so if that's you today would you just raise your hand at this point praise God Praise God. Anybody else? Wonderful. I'd love to invite that person. Please come and see me after service. I'd love to just pray with you and introduce you to Jesus. That would be my great joy and privilege today. And just a couple of other things. Uh, as I was preparing for this morning I feel like the Lord just gave me this word that 
I know what it means, but it's not a word that I really think of or use very often. So I'm just going to go with it. The word was crestfallen. And I feel like there may be someone or some people here this morning that you just feel crestfallen. And that means sad, disappointed, dispirited, dejected, feeling shame or humiliation. That's kind of what this word crestfallen encompasses. And if that's you this morning, I really believe that the Lord is wanting to just meet you right where you're at to bring His freedom, to bring His life, to bring His healing, to lift off any shame, to bring hope where that's needed. So if that's you, that's, that's the second call. So remember that. And finally, if you just have a real desire to be a man or woman of prayer, perhaps you don't know how, You're like, well, I feel the Lord stirring something. I don't know how to go about it. Well, let me invite you to come and receive prayer this morning. And then begin to pray. Begin to pray as you go from here. Begin to just come before the Lord. So they're the three things. Could I get the prayer team just to come out at this point, please? Just along the front. Lord, I just thank you for this time we've been able to spend together this morning. And I want to thank you, Lord, that prayer is powerful and effective. And I want to pray that you would stir our hearts, Lord God, afresh today to be a people of prayer, to grab hold of your promises, to lay hold of your power, Lord God, to be tenacious and persevering as we pray, Lord God. I want to pray, Lord, for those of us here who have been praying for things for a long, long time and have not yet seen things change or have not yet seen breakthrough or have not yet seen the things we've been pressing in for. Lord, I pray this morning that you would just bring a fresh burst of hope and trust in you, Lord God, knowing that you are faithful. Lord, I ask that as we go from here, that you would begin to stir our hearts with the things that are on your heart, Lord, to pray into, to pray for, Lord God. I pray that we would not have just heard your word this morning and just kind of heard it and go from here, but that we would actually take it to heart and that Holy Spirit, you would just be stirring and sealing that work in our hearts, Lord God, that it would move us into action, Lord God. And Lord, we're all of us here are just ordinary people, but we are so thankful that you are extraordinary God there is no one like you what a joy and a privilege it is to serve you to love you to worship you to come before you in prayer and I just pray that as we grab hold of prayer Lord may we be amazed Lord at what we see you do God in our lives and the lives of those around us in our church and our city and nation and beyond Lord God as we grab hold of your invitation to be a people of prayer We give you thanks and praise today, Lord. And as we go from here, may we go full of faith, full of your Holy Spirit, full of hope, for you are the God of hope. In Jesus' name, amen.